Hey everyone, listener discretion advised on this next episode. It involves cruelty to animals, murder, sexual abuse. Please do not listen if there are children around or if any of these topics may be triggering for you. Otherwise, please enjoy. the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we tell you stories that you probably already know, but you listen anyway. Yes, this is one of those stories. It's going to be a a rough one, um, but I think it might be a a listener favorite. Yeah. Let's see. I was looking through the downloads on all of our episodes recently, like yesterday, and our most listened to episodes are Bryce Laspisa mm-hmm. and Jonestown. Hell yeah. So, I mean, clearly our listeners have a preference, which we've already decided to do a lot more missing person cases because they're our favorites anyway. Right. And there's so many of them. There are so many. So many. Like, there's only so many cults you can talk about because there's only so many cults out there because it's not still happening typically yeah short of nexium like they're kind of over pretty much yeah yeah so lots of missing people i mean there's quite a bit of serial killers um but more so lots of unsolved murders right yeah Mm -hmm. so be sure to follow us on instagram at what if i told you pod yep And our Facebook is What If I Told You Podcast. And we posted some pretty top-notch footage the other day. This is exclusive footage. It is exclusive. (laughs) Um, We are the very first to report on it. So if you want to see what we're talking about, go look at our, um, not our latest post, well, by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be like three down. You'll know what it is. It's, it's the, incredible. It's the only video on our Instagram. Yes. At this moment. Yes. So follow us. You'll be able to see it. And we're dabbling in possibly starting a TikTok. That it's, is. It's on the table. It's on the table. It's all the craze right now. I like TikTok. I don't make TikTok videos um, because I'm old. and uh fucking lame so but tiktok is huge right now it is and i think like we we had this conversation tiktok lends itself to instagram as well right so you see a ton of tiktok videos on instagram yes so they are two platforms that really marry well together. Mm-hmm. And I think we would be more successful at doing TikTok and Instagram as opposed to Twitter. Because I'm not going to lie, I'm fucking failing at Twitter. Twitter's hard. Our Twitter is at what if I told you nine. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I can't guarantee that it's going to remain 
an account because I might just delete it. I I just I just don't like it when I get on yeah. to post about our most recent episode. I'm just I don't want to linger. I don't want to look at anything. Right. I'm just I would much rather find those people on Instagram and follow them on Instagram. Yeah, and I love seeing like Twitter posts shared on other social media because most of the time they're hilarious. Right. But I just don't get it. It just isn't pleasing. When you open up Twitter and like look at the feed, it is not pleasing at all to look at. No, no. It it does not draw me to it at all. Right, right. Which is why I don't have a personal Twitter. Same. And I have made a Twitter, like, probably twice. Mm-hmm. And then I go to, like, do something on it. I'm like, I don't know what to fucking do. Yeah. But if you think we should start a TikTok, let us know. I think it would probably be a mix between, like, us recording, maybe some bloopers, mm-hmm. um, but also, like, teasers into the next episode. Yeah. So let us know. Yeah. We'll have to We'll have to learn how to do it because... I think it can get pretty complicated. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dakota actually has a really good eye for things like video and photo. So we will eventually hire him for his services. Yes. When, you know, we need to... We have not made a physical appearance on our own Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) We have been remiss and... We keep telling ourselves, like, we need to take pictures, but, you know, then I show up here and uh, we look just top-notch and just really not ready to debut on a social media platform for the first time. Yeah. Well, and today is not really the best day. I'm a little puffy, you know. Uh, Yesterday was my brother's birthday, as we've discussed. Most people in my family are born in January. His birthday was yesterday. My dad's is tomorrow, but Angel's is today. So I had my, like, morning sadness today right. on my way to get our coffee and donuts for the breakfast nook. If you're going to be sad, that's a good time to be sad because there's light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Uh, well, it was on the way home because I didn't really, on the drive to get our supplies, I was... Just listening to the zombie EP. It's the perfect weather. It's a great day outside here. It's rainy. It's cloudy. It's not too cold. It's probably like 40. Yeah, it's like 45. And so it's perfect zombie weather. And so I was listening to the zombie EP by Devil Wears Prada. That's their best album. Honestly, the only one of theirs worth listening to. But um, so I was listening to that on the way in. And so... I was, like, happy. And then I got the donuts, and I was waiting on our coffee Mm -hmm. and got on Facebook and saw my post from, like, last year. Fucking Facebook It ruining my fucking morning, and I was like, ugh. I knew today was the 30th and that today is her birthday, but I didn't, like, I wasn't processing it was today. And then I just immediately got sad. Immediately. You know... And obviously, like you said, you knew you knew it was going to happen at some point today. But that is one thing I hate about Facebook memories is it, because it forces you. It forces you. You're, you're not going to not click on your Facebook memory section. I, cl- I click on mine every day. 
I don't click on it every day just when it's something like particularly like usually it's something funny. Yeah. I clicked on it the other day and like 10 years ago, I made a status about it being Jer's Day. <laughs> like, I like remembering that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's something funny and I click on it. But obviously my post from this was not last year's post because I do typically post every year, but it was like two or three years ago and it was just like an old picture of her mm-hmm. from... I don't know, like 97, 96, probably. So it's old, but she, so she's like in her 20s. Yeah. And so, and I was like six. I'm not in the photo. It's just a photo of her. But so it was just her picture. And I was like, God God damn it. Well, happy birthday, Madeline's whole family. Yeah. You you can just blanket happy birthday (laughs) and you're going to catch every one of them. It's fucking outrageous. Oh, man. (laughs) So, anyway, yeah. in the breakfast nook, we had donuts, Lamar's donuts. Mm -hmm. In the Kansas City area, the big competition for donuts is Krispy Kreme. Yes. Or Lamar's. The correct answer is Lamar's. Unless you're a Krispy Kreme employee listening to this. You know what you have done, and you need to go to Lamar's and get a job there. Yeah. Well, first of all, listeners, um, we do not live in a town that has Lamar's. So at like 740 this morning, I texted Madeline. I knew she was thinking about driving to Lamar's. I didn't think it was actually going to happen (laughs) because we can get donuts like at Casey's. We also have a little donut place here in our town. Which is good. Right. And I said, hey, like what's the situation? And she's like, I'm almost to Lamar's. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, I just opened my eyeballs. Yeah. Well, we we get up early here. Yeah. So it's just, I got up around seven. I was like, she's doing that shit. Yeah. And so I got up around seven, did the dishes, and then went to Lamar's. And Prime time to be there. I timed it absolutely perfect. Yes, you did. Um, Keegan's very first job interview is actually at Lamar's. Oh, really? And yes, on, you know, where Uh it is. Yes. And um, (laughs) I remember it because it was when I was pregnant with Caden. So he was obviously scrambling to get a job. Mm -hmm. You know, he was a junior in high school. Dang. So he got an interview at Lamar's. He wore a full suit. Hell yeah. (laughs) The room that they took him to to interview in was like a cramped little office and Keegan had to sit on a five gallon bucket. (laughs) He um, didn't get the job. He didn't get the job at Lamar's. It was probably the full suit. (laughs) They were like, all right, bud, pump the brakes. That's too much. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty good. I also got us coffee from Post Coffee, and they're a local spot. Mm-hmm. Not local to our town, but local to, we're going to have to say Lee Summit at some point, probably. Yeah, we don't live there, but we it's don't, around. We don't live in Lee Summit. It's it's a, an adjacent town, um, but Post Coffee is in Lee Summit, as is Lamar's Donuts. Post Coffee is my go-to coffee shop. It's This is the only the second time I've had it. Really? Yeah. Whenever we lived in Kansas, when I was in law school, I would drive 
from Olathe, Kansas to Lee Summit to study for law school in the evening. And they close at fucking seven. Jesus Christ. We, I mean, in Olathe, there were good coffee shops, but Post was like my main squeeze. Because what coffee do they use? Um, and their own. Their own? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They roast their own beans. I buy their beans uh, fairly often. Yeah. So I like a local coffee shop always. Right. I, I'm not probably going to go to Starbucks unless I have like a Starbucks gift card because a lot of my family members know that we really love coffee. Mm-hmm. And instead of just buying us a bag of beans. Right. They will get us a Starbucks gift card. Right. Which I appreciate because I really love Starbucks mugs. Starbucks knows how to make a cup that immediately draws me in. When I go to Hy-Vee mm-hmm. and they have the Starbucks in like in the Hy-Vee and they have their little stands that have their cups. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I need all of those cups. <laughs> I need them all. So, but I don't like their coffee. It just not, I just... It just doesn't taste good to me. So if I'm going to get coffee that's not my coffee from home, it's post. Yeah. We all know that any morning beverage I consume other than water has to be sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maddie got me an ice latte and we all got Breve mm-hmm. milk in it. It fucking tastes like cereal milk and it's delicious. I've never had an ice latte before. Yeah. It does have vanilla in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. And it paired perfectly with our Lamar's donuts. Um, so, Lamar's, if you're out there listening. Yeah. Give, give us a shout because we're giving you a shout. Yeah. Tip send, us an, send us an email. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. But yes. to move away from breakfast, we have our chips corner today. And this is an important one. Yes. And this is straight from Canada. Straight from Canada. Thank you, Canada, for coming through. Thank you, Canada, for existing. Um, My heart belongs there. Oh, Canada. That's the only part of that I know. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been there, but I know my soul is meant to reside in Canada. Absolutely. So one day, um, that's that's my dream. Um, anyways, the correct pronunciation, the First Nations people that we 100% did not pronounce correctly. Absolutely butchered it. Is Shehalis. Yeah, that sounds much better than whatever the fuck I said. Yeah, you know, those spellings sometimes, the apostrophes and the STs and the A-I-L-E-S's. And when Google lets you down and will not pronounce it for you. It's straight up when you Google it. Usually when you Google any word underneath in parentheses, it tells you how to pronounce it. This word or this name, however, Google had no idea. Yeah, Step the fuck up, Google. So thank you, um, Canadian friend of Chip. You are the best. I am still awaiting your response on if you can get me and my family into Canada. So you could just hop on that. That would be great. Yeah. I don't even know your name. Um, I'm going to assume you are a legit human being because you know Chip. So 
I'll be waiting. Yes. Also, we now officially have three written reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, so my brother-in-law, Dallas, and his tiny baby, Sylvia, left us a written review. <laughs> I am assuming that Sylvia wrote it. Oh, 100%. It's very articulate and very precious. Thank you, Sylvia. You redheaded precious baby angel. Oh. Um, we also got one from Rue, and that one was our first one. Yes, and it is amazing. And it's so sweet. So thanks, Rue. She has her own podcast, the Supposedly Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to Rue. And the other one is from someone whose name is Let Me Play. Yeah, no idea who it is. Don't know who it is, but thank you very much, Let Me Play. Uh, Your name is fucking great. I loved all of these reviews. I was like kind of waiting for the day that we would get a written review because people just don't do that. Yeah, I've never written a review on podcasts. I rate all the podcasts that I actually really love Mm -hmm. because it really does help people. Oh, yes. And it takes point two seconds. Yeah. It takes zero time to just like hit it. Yeah. So I rate the podcast that I love, but I've never written a review. So I totally understand that people just, it's just not something people do. Right. But thank you for those three reviews. You guys are top notch. Amazing. Okie dokie. This brings us into the topic of the day. It's a good one. It's a good one. You know this guy. Keegan's excited. What up, Keegan? Love you, babe. Uh, Today we're covering the co-ed killer. A.K.A. Edmund Kemper. Old Ed. Big Ed. In all honesty, if we set his serial killings aside, would love to have him as a friend. Yeah, I think... People who actually knew Ed Kemper feel the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, he is just cool as shit. Like outside of him, <laughs> outside of him brutally murdering people. And doing unspeakable things. Absolutely unspeakable. Postmortem. Ugh. Oh my God. I just, I don't. I feel like those things do not go together into the same person. No. The Ed Kemper who you see, like, in interviews, who's a genius, articulate, soft-spoken. Yeah. That is... He, like, honestly seems, like, caring in some ways. Like, genuinely interested to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes him one of... Like, the most interesting serial killers? Yes. So. Because it seems like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Oh, yes. It, it definitely is. And he certainly, certainly had mental health issues, of course. Right. Dude was fucked up. Yeah. But he had two completely separate personalities. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why if he wouldn't have turned himself in, I don't. I think people would have... Oh, absolutely not. It would have taken a long time for them to accept that he had done yeah, any of that. I would never say that about, like, any other serial killer because none of them, like, 
to me felt like a genuine person on the outside. Like you could tell they were like clearly faking the good part of them mm-hmm. to do the bad things they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But fucking Ed, dude. Yeah. It's just, it really is mind blowing that he did those things because of the way he presents himself and the way he talks to people. Yeah. And so it's just, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. If you haven't heard of Ed Kemper, you'll probably find this very interesting. But if you're anyone who likes true crime, you 100% know who he is. Yeah. He's one of the big ones. He, he <laughs> literally, <laughs> he's the biggest one. <laughs> um, he was fucking huge. He was six foot nine inches tall. Good God. That is so big. And he wasn't big and skinny. He was like a big, like thick dude. His stature wasn't obese looking. No, he just looked terrifying. He just was big. Yeah. And had a mustache. He had some great glasses. He did have some good glasses. And uh, back to the mustache and glasses. Fucking... Bob Berdella. Serial killer 101. Mustache and glasses. Jeffrey Dahmer. Mustache and glasses. <laughs> Let's see. I guess... Uh, no. Ted didn't have any glasses or a mustache. Anyways. Okay. Uh, also, <laughs> Ed was almost a genius. His IQ was 145. Damn, that's probably much higher than mine. I've actually never taken an IQ test. I've taken many IQ tests. I had a phase where I was really into taking IQ tests and... I'm just afraid to. I feel like you would score higher than you think because it's Is not... Is there math? Abs- it's not about knowledge. Okay. The IQ tests are... They're looking for how quickly you solve puzzles, your ability to figure out patterns, your okay. ability to... Uh, recognize sequence, that kind of thing. It's not how much knowledge you have, or ed- it's not about education at all. There's okay. there's no math or history or science, nothing like that. It's really solving puzzles. It's logic, logic, one hundred percent. So it, you don't like they administer IQ tests to five year olds, right? So they're measuring the quickness of your brain and how it spots things. I'll have to so, do one. I'd like to see where I score up there with Ed. Yeah. Uh, 145 is high. Mm-hmm. It's, I think 144 is genius. Is like Damn. when you get into the genius categories. Because, or somewhere around there. Uh, 160 is the top out score. Damn. So, it just really depends. I think I've taken like... A lot, because I had a face. Like, Mm -hmm. I have weird faces like that. I think I had read about somebody taking IQ tests, and I just was really curious. And so I would take them at different times of the day to Mm -hmm. see if it would affect how quickly I could fire. Right. So, um, you know, it's fine. Hmm. Well. Send us your IQ scores. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. No, you don't have to. That's completely private. So I guess we'll just hop right in here. Um, You might be listening to this on your drive into work. Personally, I love starting my work week off with um, a terrible story. So here we go. Going right into it. 
So we're going to start off with listing the victim names, and then later we will go into each victim and give a horrible summary on that. So he had 10 total victims. Maud Matilda Huey Kemper, who was his grandmother. I mean, who kills their own grandmother? Oh, God. Edmund Emil Kemper, his grandfather. Marianne Pesci. Anita Lucessa. Iko Koo. Cindy Shaw. Rosalind Thorpe. Allison Liu. Clarnell Strandberg, which was his mother. And Sarah Taylor a.k.a. Sally Hallett, who was his mother's friend. So, all women except his grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. He he definitely had mom issues. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And we're, we're going to get into his, like, profile and his youth and the things that certainly contributed. He demonstrated clear early proclivities for cruelty and violence. Yes. Um, but his mom's treatment of him uh, didn't help. No. Unacceptable. Yeah. Crazy, crazy shit. Okay. So Ed's profile is not so different than what you would expect from someone who kills people. Um, his youth, not great. And no one is shocked about that. No one. No one. So he was Edmund Kemper III, and he was born in 1948 in Burbank, California. 1948. So he's the same age as my grandparents. Yeah. I mean, he's still alive. Yes, he is. Yes, he's still alive. Uh, Literally the same age as my grandparents. That's crazy. Um, His mom was Clarnell, then Kemper. And his father, Edmund Kemper II. His father had been a World War II veteran. And he worked as an electrician after the war. Which, uh, an electrician is a good job. And it says that Clarnell complained a lot about Ed's job. And that it was menial. But an electrician is a good-ass job. Yeah, it's still a good-ass job. Yeah, exactly. And, um... His first job after the military was at the Pacific Proving Grounds, which I'm not sure what that is, but he tested nuclear equipment, nuclear weapons. So that is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he had some pretty top-notch professions during his life. Yeah, and a lot of very specialized knowledge of electrical shit. Right. And she's calling it menial. I just... Don't understand that. Ugh. I think she probably just hated him and she wanted to complain about something. And they just fought. Like, that's all they did when they were married was fight. Ed, as we've already talked about, was a huge person. He started out life a huge baby. Huge. 13 pounds. Good Lord. That's more than twice what I weighed when I was born. Yeah, both of my children were seven pounds and under. 
I was six pounds, six ounces. This motherfucker was twice. Like, he was two of me as a did as I, an infant. Did I do something wrong during pregnancy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't... I've never birthed a child, but I imagine that birthing a 13-year-old baby is... A 13-year-old baby? <laughs> 13 pound baby. I mean, he might as well have been 13 years old. All right. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, Way to go, Clarnell, for yeah. surviving that. Fucking props. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> he was huge as a baby. Obviously, he just continued to grow to be a huge person. Right. And so... As you can imagine, he was always much bigger than his peers growing up. So I didn't ever read anything about him being bullied. I'm going to assume that probably early elementary, he was bullied a little. But when they got older, they were probably like, we're not going to fuck with Ed. Because uh, yeah. he could probably just squish me. Yeah. And like we said, it's not like Ed was obese. I mean, he was just like built to be like a fucking lumberjack. Yes. That's his stature. Yes. He is. Yes. What's the, what's the dude? The brawny man. Yes, yes. That's Ed. Yeah. He just huge dude. Yeah. I've never met someone that tall. Like my dad is really tall. He's six, four and my brother is six, two, six, three. It's tall. That's tall. You know, but now I don't know how tall they are exactly, but Keegan's cousins, Hayden and Gibson, are they're twins. They're both very tall. I think Gibson might be a little taller than Hayden, but I think Gibson is like six, five, six, six. Yeah. I mean, he's fucking tall. Yeah. I could not imagine being around a six foot nine person. Yeah. Gibson, maybe you're taller than that. I don't know. Let me know. Yeah. Lauren's dad is 6'6", six, six, which is so weird because Lauren is shorter than I am. Yeah. She's not like crazy tall. No. I'm pretty sure she's shorter than I am. Maybe the same height. I think uh, it's hard to say. I'm trying to think. Um, you probably are close to the same height. Um, her mom is... Like five two though, so oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but her both of her sisters basketball on her dad's players. side are basketball. Both of them are five eleven, ish. Yeah, that is tall because I'm tall and I'm five eight, and I feel tall around most women. Yeah, being five eight. I think I used to write down that I was like five seven when people would ask me. I think I'm actually five five. I don't feel like you're three inches shorter than me, but I don't know. I just never thought I was that short. Yeah. You don't seem five. I feel pretty average. Yeah. You're very average height. Yeah. But both my sisters are taller than me. I have one sister who's taller. Now, my dad is pretty tall. I think my dad is 6'2". Mm-hmm. And I am taller than my mom. My yeah. mom's probably like 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Mm-hmm. Anyways, now that we've anyway. talked about fucking height and weight. <laughs> So, anyway, his parents obviously divorced. He was nine years old when they split up and was subsequently raised in Montana by his mother and his dad remained in California. Yeah. He had been really close with his dad uh, up to that point. So, this was 
pretty devastating for him, especially because, as we know, he didn't have a good relationship with his mom. But at this time, it was 1957 when they divorced. So, of course, in a divorce at that time, the kids went with the mom. Yeah. That's it. Unless the mom passed away, the kids were not living with the dad. Right. Which we know now that just because you're the mom doesn't mean you're the better parent. Mm-hmm. See, it all, I, you know, working in the court and I worked in the family law division for my first year with the state court, you see it all the time. Oh, yeah. So it's just parents are parents and it's not gender specific on who is a good parent and who's not. Yeah. And obviously in that time period, you know, women were homemakers and you know very yeah very maternal and mm. not the case here really no she this she was definitely not maternal towards ed now he had two sisters an older sister and a younger sister and i got the impression that clarnell was maternal to the sisters mm-hmm. and just not to ed because she had a habit of telling Ed that he was just like his father. He was, no woman was ever going to love him because he was just like his father. So it could be that she hated his dad and channeled that to Ed because Mm -hmm. Ed reminded her of his dad. Yeah. So that is playing a part in it. She, you know, and it didn't get put onto the sisters. Yeah. But he was also a really fucked up little kid. He was. So she probably... It was a, a culmination of things, probably. Um, as we've already said, he showed an early proclivity for cruelty. Of course he tortured and killed animals. Mm, yeah. This is sad. It is really sad. So there's one instance where he buried the family cat alive, waited for it to die, and then dug it up cut its head off, and mounted it on a spike. Jesus. Now, this is when he's a little kid. I think this is pre-divorce, even, that this happened. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Can you imagine being a mother and, like, going outside and seeing your child just chop the head of a cat off and put it on a spike? What do you do? I mean, obviously, other than taking the proper measures as in, like, contacting a professional. Well, yeah, and now you certainly would. Right. Now you would, you would see that and you would be like, I have to get this kid to a doctor. But then yeah, mental like, health was not a thing. No. And now that's on, like, questionnaires you fill out when you think your child might have, like, a delay or mm-hmm. some kind of mental disability. That's literally one of the questions do they have yeah and like i've had to fill those out before Mm -hmm. and that's like one of the top things like aggressive behavior towards animals yeah and i'm always like because like as a mom that that consumes this type of stuff i'm always like well i didn't like the way he petted that cat (laughs) (laughs) yeah and because you and so many of these stories. We had it in Bob Rudella. Mm-hmm. It exists in all, almost every serial killer story. Yeah, I mean. There's cruelty to animals. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Ted Bundy, like, yeah. fucked with frogs. Yeah, all, yes. 
what? I just, I don't understand. I just look downstairs and see my little April pup and I just want to like squeeze her face. Like, oh, little April, look at you. Yeah. That's what I do to her. You don't want to bury her alive. Absolutely not. I let her, Dakota was out of town Thursday night for work because he had to do some work at uh, a hospital up north and it's like a two and a half hour drive. So they just got him a hotel and I don't love staying here overnight alone, Mm -hmm. but with April and Artie, it eases any concerns. Yeah. But I let them out in the backyard before we went to bed and I was just standing there like watching them in the backyard thinking if somebody's been stalking me, they're probably going to know that I let the dogs out and they're probably going to like snipe at least April. (laughs) And so I'm just like watching her walk around the yard thinking to myself how devastated and wildly pissed I would be if some asshole sniped my baby in the backyard. I'm just like imagining this like this this like news headline on social media like dog sniped in neighborhood backyard then woman abducted. Authorities are still searching the area. See, if if that scenario played out and then that asshole broke in and tried to abduct me, dude would have, he would have to just kill me because at that point I would be really mad yeah. that he just killed my child and I would get all the knives because I was standing in the kitchen, <laughs> get all my knives like, dude, you're just going to have to shoot me. You just killed my kid. I have five knives. Now I'm going to, now you've got, now I'm pissed. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> oh my god. Those are the things that go through my brain. I I can't disagree with you. However, have never thought about Rowan being sniped in the backyard. Yeah. So that's a new one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we do have like a, a privacy fence. You can't see the yard yeah. or the dogs from the front of the house, but still. It I could mean, happen. People stalk people and they know everything they do, all the moves that they make. For sure. But we also have cameras on the house, so. Yeah. At least we would know who sniped April. That's right. We would get them for not only murder of you. Yeah. But also animal cruelty. That's right. Because April would live through it. Yeah. She would for sure live through it. She would dig out the bullet herself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh... So, yeah, then he killed another cat. Yeah, he killed another cat. Because, uh, why, Madeline? Tell us. (laughs) This is not funny. (laughs) I know. I just feel very awkward when I talk about this kind of stuff. It's like being at a funeral. Yeah. Uh, So he killed another family cat because he felt like it favored his younger sister. So he killed it and kept pieces of this cat in his closet. Ed likes closets, by the way. We're going to find this out. He likes the closet. He does. Um, That's just how it is with Ed. So Yeah, weird. Very weird. um, He also played with his sister's dolls, which is is not weird. No, it's not weird. Dolls are toys, you know, whatever. Right. I, I know, I think dolls are for both little boys and little girls, but what he did with the dolls was not okay. No, it, it wasn't the dolls. It was the fact that when he played with them, he would remove their hands and their heads. Now, I, as a child, 
please don't be alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've made it to adulthood. Obviously, I had Barbies. Yeah. Everyone popped a head off of a Barbie. It was so easy. It was so easy. You'd pop it off, like put it on the end of your pencil type thing. <laughs> yeah. Or if you couldn't get its clothes on over the head. Take the head you off. take the head off. You put the clothes on. You put the head back on. What's weird about this to me is the removal of the hands. Yes. That was the weirdest part to me, too, was the hands. Yes. Because you have to cut the hands off. Yeah. I, I don't know what a 1950s um, doll looks like. I don't know if these were like Barbies or what. I don't know. But yeah. I, I'm going to assume... The hands are not on there like the head is popped on. Correct. Uh, they're probably not removable. Yeah, I feel like there's some psychology behind the hands thing. Yes. Yes. Um, he also had a crush on his teacher. Well, that and happens. he would stalk her as that a child. Happen. As a child. He's like 12-ish. And he would sit outside of his teacher's house with a his father's bayonet (laughs) and watch her through the windows and his older sister would tease him for this i don't know why she would tease him and not be wildly alarmed but she asked him once why he didn't kiss his teacher weird question and he replied if i kiss her i'd have to kill her first he'd have to kill her first yeah yeah so so there's that oh ooh, ooh. the bayonet got me the that is so odd a like bayonet you think maybe like bb gun i i'm not sure why he felt like he needed to have that while stalking his teacher i don't yeah but the bayonet that's a weird item to just have in your house. I mean, I guess this is the 50s. Maybe people had more bayonets. I mean, he was in World War II, his dad. That is true. I don't think they used the bayonet in World <laughs> War II, though. Well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying I feel like he's like one of those... like Maybe a weapons collector? Yeah, like a war buff type of dude. Okay, yeah. Because I think the bayonet went out of commission with the Civil War. <laughs> oh, God. Um, All right, we're almost through Ed's childhood. And then shit pops off. That was not a good way to describe that. (laughs) Unintentional. Um, So, obviously, he had a very dysfunctional relationship with his mom. She abused him, belittled him, humiliated him on a daily basis. She was also an alcoholic. And some people have speculated that she may have suffered from borderline personality disorder which cannot ever be confirmed because this is not something that really existed in the 50s. Right. That kind of diagnosis would not have happened, certainly. Um, she regularly taunted him because he was so big. And she made him sleep locked in the basement. Jesus. That's horrible. But she did this because she was afraid he would hurt his sisters, which is pretty astute because... He has demonstrated a real panache for hurting other living creatures. Yeah. I just can't imagine how the being locked in a basement to sleep there just continued to fuck him up. Oh, of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. Especially your mom locking you down there. Yeah. I feel bad, like, 
shutting my kids in their room at night. Yeah. What you're supposed to do. By the way, I saw an article, which I think this is like knowledge that most people have, but it is much safer to completely close yourself in your room at night in case there is a fire in your house. Huh. Yeah. We We, sleep with our door wide open. We used to also, because I wanted to be able to like hear the kids if Mm -hmm. they were getting up, but yeah, you're supposed to shut your door. So if a fire starts in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. you know, you could probably... If you're not waking up immediately, if your smoke detectors go out, you're probably going to suffer some sort of symptoms of, like, smoke inhalation. Mm-hmm. But if your door is shut, then you can get through the window. Like, obviously, I have children to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. But if our door is shut and we're safe, we have a better chance at getting them out than walking through a fucking fire and through mm-hmm. the smoke in our room to get them, you know? Yeah. Well, I may start closing the door when we sleep for that purpose, because as we we discussed this in episode one, way back in the day, mm-hmm. that it's not cool to burn to death. No, I'm terrified of house fires. I know I people too. who I have had too. house fires and. Whew, yeah, I makes am, my stomach hurt. It, it, it's something that I really I think about. I don't fix my hair every day because I don't wash it every day, but. When I, on certain mornings, if I wake up and straighten my hair, luckily my, my straightener will shut off after so long, but I've never left it plugged in. Same. I, but I think about it. Yes. A lot of mornings. Cause Keegan used to leave before I did for work. Mm-hmm. And then it was me taking the kids where they needed to go before I went to work. Mm-hmm. So basically, when I left the house, I wasn't going back. Like, I had too many things to accomplish before I got to work on time. And I used to, like, say out loud, I am unplugging the flat iron. Mm -hmm. And so then if I thought about it, I'm like, oh, no, I remember saying that. Well, that used to not cut it for me. So then I started taking pictures of the unplugged flat iron. Yeah. And then one day I was like, I left my coffee pot on. And I was like, I don't think it shuts off on its own. And this was like causing a panic attack. Yeah. And my poor sister, who you see live a few blocks away from me, went to my house, had to break in through the back door. She's like, your dog's going to eat my face off. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, he'll recognize you. She gets there. It's off. Yeah. It's a terrifying thing to think about. And honestly, if we, if the dogs weren't here all day, it wouldn't like, of course I don't want my house to burn down. Right. I like the things. I have a collection of books that, and several books that are really old and others that really like have sentimental value. Mm -hmm. I've had some of my Harry Potter books since 98. Yeah. So yes, they are special, but if they burn down, we would get over it. We would get insurance. It would, we would get past it. But if my dogs were in here and my house burned, I would be fucking devastated. Yeah. It would. I, (laughs) it sounds extreme, but I really would have a hard time getting over it. Oh, 100%. So that is the reason it really, like, I really, it really bothers me. And also one of the reasons why I just don't do my hair in the morning a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't give myself a lot of time in the morning. So I'm just going to. My hair is fine. I'm not going to straighten it. Yeah. I'm just glad Keegan's been working at home for the last several months. Yeah. So I don't think about that shit. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Terror. 
Anyway, back to Ed. At age 14, he runs away to go back to California and live with his father. Well, his father at this point has remarried and the woman that he marries has a stepson and it just, the dynamic just doesn't work out with Ed living there. So he sends Ed to live with his grandparents, Ed Kemper the first and Maud Kemper. Yes. Um, They lived on a ranch in North Fork, California and Ed hated it. <laughs> he often said that his grandmother emasculated him and his grandfather, and that his grandfather was senile. Okay. So, alrighty. Oh, Ed. And that is his youth. The youth of Ed. Sounds pretty terrible. So, if things weren't already dark. Oh, here we go. Just from here on out. It's going to get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So, Kemper's first murders were at the age of 15. Oh, that is so young. 15. Oh, God. His first victims were his grandparents. Mm. And he was living with them at the time. Mm-hmm. He was sitting at the kitchen table with Maud, his grandmother, and they began arguing and he got his grandfather's rifle and shot her three times. Yeah. And some reports say that she also had post-mortem stab wounds, which means he continued to stab her after she was dead. Yeah. So this is like your classic overkill scenario. Yeah. That's extreme. That's rage. Yeah. That's yeah. rage for sure. And at the time, his grandfather was at the store, but when he got back, Kemper shot him as well and then called police and waited for them to arrive. So he kills his grandparents and then basically turns himself in for right. it. Right. Yeah. So his grandfather's the only man he ever kills. Yeah. And in interviews later, because he shot his grandfather in the driveway. Mm-hmm. So he has said that the reason he shot his grandfather in the driveway was because he didn't want his grandfather to go into the house and see his grandmother dead. Yeah. So that's like very thought through to yeah, me. Yeah. Yes. It's very, in his mind, he's saving his grandfather from the pain of seeing his grandma dead. Yeah. So he in a twisted, dark way, feels like he is helping yeah. his grandfather. Ugh. So fucking weird. God. So court psychologist diagnosed Kemper as paranoid schizophrenic and sent him to Ascadero State Hospital, which was a maximum security facility. And... California Youth Authority psychiatrist at the facility disagreed with the diagnosis because he, quote, displayed no flight of ideas, Mm. no interference with thought, no expression of delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking. Which doesn't make any sense because the reason he's given for killing his grandfather is totally bizarre and completely delusional. Right. Obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do feel like he displays a lot of hallmarks of having personality disorder, 
and schizophrenia. Yeah, I mean, that's very common amongst serial murderers. Right. So this wasn't a, a, well, I mean, at the time, I guess it was a one-time thing, but clearly this was not a one-time thing. Yeah. So they actually found him to be very intelligent, which he was. Yeah, intelligence has nothing to do with having a personality disorder. No, no. And they then re-diagnosed him with personality trait disturbance. Which I don't think is a diagnosis anymore. No. It was the passive-aggressive type. (laughs) Which also doesn't make any sense. He's killed two people. (laughs) Don't understand. There's nothing passive-aggressive about double homicide. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So... Kemper was a model prisoner and eventually was able to gain the trust of his psychiatrist. Of course he did. Of course. He was even trained to administer psychiatric tests to other inmates. Uh, And he would later admit that his training helped him understand how to answer these test questions in order to manipulate his own results. So he's a fucking genius for this. Mm hmm. This has never happened anywhere else. No. No. Ever. No. He also learned how to commit crimes from those inmates, Mm -hmm. such as killing a woman after raping her to not leave a witness. Yes. So you don't have someone claiming that you had sexually assaulted them. You just kill her afterwards. Yeah, that's what he took away from his time in this facility. Yeah. Yeah. He was then released in 1969, and it was on his 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy yeah. birthday, Ed. Oh. At this time, he returned to live with his mother, which was against the advice of his psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he had anywhere else to go. No. And at this point, his mom no longer lived in Montana, had moved back to California. Mm-hmm. And between the years of 69, when he was released, and 1972, he seemed to have been rehabilitated. And in November of 72, his record was permanently expunged. Mm-hmm. Huh? You know, when you do things at 15, shit can get permanently expunged when you hit that age for like i don't know drug charges drug charges uh, a a bashing in a mailbox robbery the you know yeah murder double double murder of your grandparents yeah it's not like this was like a like a like a second degree manslaughter charge he didn't hit these people with his car or something right right Absolutely and intentionally committed first degree murder. Yeah. So why this was permanently expunged from his record? 1969 was clearly a different time. Suspish. Yeah. So now we're getting into some of his later murders. So from here on out, these are all young women other than a couple of them. So... Between May of 1972 and April of 1973, I mean, this is 
less than a year. This is 11 months. Yeah. He killed eight more people. That is so many people. That is a lot. That's uh, basically a, a victim a month. A couple spans in there, but that's a lot of fucking people to kill in under a year. Yes, it is. Next, we have Marianne Pesci and Anita Luchessa. In May of 72, Kemper picked up Marianne and Anita. They were 18 years old, and he picked them up near Berkeley, California. They were students hitchhiking from Fresno State University to Stanford. Yeah, yeah. Hitchhiking was very common back then. Yes. I mean, that was basically means of travel if you didn't have a car. It wasn't a time when everyone had a car. Right. Not even every every family had enough cars for each adult. No. After he picked them up, Kemper took them to a secluded wooded area near Alameda, California. He handcuffed Mary Ann and then locked Anita in the trunk. Oh, God. He first stabbed and strangled Mary Ann and then killed Anita in a similar way. And after that, he put both of their bodies in the trunk of his Ford Galaxy and returned to his apartment. He was actually stopped on the way to his apartment by a police officer for having a broken taillight. But, I mean, the officer didn't detect any corpses in his car. Yeah. Which, it says that he stabbed and strangled them. So, I'm wondering, was there blood in the car? Did the officer just not see any blood in the car? Yeah, I mean, you would think there at least had to have been blood on him. I would assume so. Somewhere. It just, it didn't say anything about him taking a change of clothes with him or cleaning up. It just seems odd that there wouldn't be blood for the officer to see in the car or on his person. Right. Who knows? Who knows? It's he, the he, fucking seventies. Yeah, he had a relationship with the police. Yes, he in did. In the area, uh, they called him Big Ed. Yeah, he was and, a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. They liked him. Mm-hmm. He hung out at the cop bar. Mm-hmm. So, the cop probably was like, "Oh, it's Ed." Yeah. So. Hey, fix your tail light. Yeah, yo, Ed, your tail light's out. So. By the time Ed got back to his apartment, his roommate was not home, and he took the bodies into his apartment, where he then photographed them and had sexual intercourse with the naked corpses before dismembering them. He then put the body parts into plastic bags, which he later abandoned near Loma Prieta Mountain. Before disposing of Marianne's and Anita's severed heads, in a ravine, Kemper engaged in uramatio with both of them. Which you guys can look that up on your own. You are you probably from are taking context clues and yes. guessing what that act is. Yeah. On your own. Yeah. So Jesus. So this became Kemper's MO. Necrophilia and dismemberment. Yeah. Marion's skull would then be found in August of 1972, but even after an extensive search, the rest of her remains were not found and neither was any trace of Anita. Yeah. So, Jesus. Yeah, and the way that he killed Marion and Anita and what he did with their bodies after killing them, 
he did all of those things to all of his victims after this. Yes, this was 100% a pattern. Absolute pattern, and he stuck to it. So um, we're probably not going to describe that for the rest of the victims. Yeah. We're just going to put a blanket on it. This is what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, His next victim was Aiko Ku, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, In September of 72, Aiko was hitchhiking to dance class after missing her usual bus when Kemper picked her up. She was 15 years old. God. He took her to a remote area and pulled a gun on her. At this point, he got out of the car and managed to lock himself out. However, he had gained Aiko's trust and she let him back in the car. And, you know, she's very young. Oh, yeah. 15 years old is so young. And with the way people describe Ed outside of just being the absolute fucking worst... I'm sure he was very persuasive. Yeah. Clearly, he was really manipulative, and I'm not surprised. No. Not at all. Based on his the way he was able to manipulate his psychiatrist whenever he was incarcerated the first time, the mm-hmm. way he's manipulated police officers, he clearly is very intelligent and also knows how to use his intelligence to manipulate people. So, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He absolutely knows what he's doing. Um so she lets him back in the car and then he choked her until she was unconscious but not dead. And then he raped her and then killed her. So, that's a little bit of a departure because I don't think he sexually assaulted Marianne or Anita. While they were... While they were alive. Yeah. Um, But he did with Aiko. He then put her body into his trunk, went for a few drinks at Cop Bar, I'm pretty sure, and then took her to his apartment to then do his necrophilia dismemberment pattern. And he disposed of her body similarly to Marianne and Anita. Oh, man. Gross. It's so bleak. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. I mean, obviously, murder is not good in any way that you do it. Of course not. But the dude wasn't just, like, killing people and throwing their bodies into a river. Yeah. Like, it could have ended there. It's so horrifying. It is. It just, it makes my whole, like, I just, like, clench up into, like, a fetal position when I think about what he did. God damn. Just depravity. So, next was Cindy Shull. Kemper picked her up in January of 1973. She was an 18-year-old student, and he picked her up on the Cabrillo College campus. Mm. He drove her to a wooded area, again, very patterny, mm-hmm. and he shot her. He then put her in his trunk and took her to his mother's house. Yeah, I think at this point he was not able to keep his own apartment. Yeah. Or maybe had an issue with his roommate. 
Shocker. And so he moved back in with his mom. So he hid Cindy's body in his closet overnight. (laughs) Just like... Okay. Um, When his mom left the next morning for work, he then repeated his MO. The only exception with Cindy, though, was that he kept her head for several days. Mm -hmm. But then he buried it in his mother's garden, face up toward her bedroom because she, quote, always wanted people to look up to her. Oh, my God. That is like chills down the spine. Yeah. Definition of fucked up. The psychology there is just unfathomable. Like, that is absolute. Like, who thinks of that? Trauma. Like, he is. His mother fucked him up so horribly. And I am. Guessing that he's channeling his rage for his mother onto these poor, innocent women. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ugh. Jesus. Gross. Next is Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Liu. In February of 1973, college campuses were by this time warning people not to get into cars with strangers and they had come out with these university stickers for people who worked at campus and probably some of the students and they put these stickers on their car to signal to other students that they were like a safe ride yeah so they were telling students, don't take a ride with anyone without the university sticker that you don't know. Right. Because obviously, at this point, they're like, there's a serial killer around. <laughs> Although they didn't have the term serial killer yet. Yes. But, you know, someone who was killing a lot of people. Uh, but turns out, Ed had a sticker. Of course he did. Because his mom worked at the university. Mm-hmm. Ed, God damn it. So Rosalind was 23 and Allison was 20. Kemper picked them up on the UC Santa Cruz campus. And once both women were in the car, he shot both of them. He wrapped them in blankets and took them to his mother's house. He did what he did to the bodies and disposed of them. Their remains were later found near Eden Canyon and also near Highway 1. Now, these remains were found, these two locations were found months apart. Mm -hmm. So about one month after their disappearance, they found some remains near Eden Canyon. And then I think the following March, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, a year later is when they found the remains near Highway 1. Um, but they were not complete remains yeah. in either location. Next, we have Clarnell, Ed's mom, and Sally Hallett, which was 
his mom's friend. Yep. April 20th of 1973, Clarnell, Ed's mom, arrived home late from a party and woke up Ed. After she fell asleep, he then killed her with a clawed hammer and cut her throat. He then severed her head and did absolute unspeakable things to it. Yeah. And then used it as a dartboard. Oh, my God. He then put his mother's body in a closet and went to the bar. Yep. When he got home from the bar, he called his mom's friend Sally and invited her to dinner. That's, like, random. Yeah. And when she got there, Kemper strangled her and put her in the closet. And he killed Sally in order to make it look like she and his mother had gone away on a vacation together. Mm -hmm. So, lots of thinking behind that. Yeah. And I don't think he did any post-mortem things to her body. Yes. He then cleaned up any signs of disturbance, and he actually left a note for the police, and it said, Approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer any more at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. No sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. Okay. Yeah. He then drove straight from California to Pueblo, Colorado, which is a 1,000-mile drive. Mm-hmm. And he took caffeine pills to stay awake. He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition because he thought that he was going to, um, you know, be chased by the police because he was a fugitive. But when he got to Colorado, there was nothing on the news. Right. Because, I mean, at this point, it's been probably, I don't know, a day. Yeah. And... No one has noticed. The police weren't just randomly going to go to his mother's house. Right. And find his weird little note. Yeah. You know. So then he goes to a phone booth, calls the police, and confesses to the murders of his mother and her friend Sally. Yeah. Weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Like you've gotten yeah. away with it for this long. Yeah. And there's a quote. Um, that I didn't put in here, but it was him when he calls the police, he was just like, it's done. You know, I, everything I wanted to do is done now mm -hmm. and, um, it's over. I'm tired. So like, yeah, basically what he was saying was these other people that I killed were the stand in for my mom. I've now killed my mom. Yeah. She was the end goal. She was the end goal. It's done. And I'm done. Mm -hmm. so. Like his, that was his life's mission. Right. Oh, God. That's fucking crazy. Um, so after making the call to the police, he just waited for them to arrive and take him into custody. Uh, <laughs> what else so are you going to do? Weird. <laughs> and once he was apprehended, he then proceeded to confess to the murders of these six women he killed. Yeah. And on May 7th, 1973, he was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder, 
and appointed the chief public defender of Santa Cruz County, Jim Jackson, to represent him. He had given a detailed confession at this point of all eight murders. So his attorney is really left with just the option to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. Because who kills eight people and then just gives detailed confessions about all of them? Right, exactly. So, and I mean, it's clear that he had mental issues. The real question when you're um, talking about pleading not guilty by reason of insanity, the threshold for that being a successful trial strategy is... When he was committing these crimes, did he actually know right from wrong? Did he actually know what he was doing was wrong? Right. Um, It's the McNaughton rule is what they apply. So that's the, the legal precedent for a plea of insanity is the McNaughton rule. This is first year of criminal law. So that's what they used in his trial was the McNaughton rule to find him sane and that he was cognizant when he committed all of these crimes. They applied the McNaughton rule so they could sentence him as normal. Yeah. So he actually tried to commit suicide twice while he was in custody. Um, Either way, three different psychiatrists found him to be legally sane because he... He was. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, clearly Ed had quite a few um, mental problems happening just because of what he was doing. Right, of course. But setting that aside, I mean, obviously, if you are killing people, there is something wrong with your brain. Yes, of course. People just don't do that. Right. I mean, this isn't the fucking Wild West. We're not shooting people... Uh, because they beat you at a hand of poker. Right. And even even that is, like, way less crazy. Right. Because there wasn't... Uh, that's just how things were. It wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't... Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Gruesome. You're right. You're like, oh, you want to fuck me over? Like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Like, you're dead. You're yeah. gone. Right. But Ed was... I mean, it's not like he was sitting in his house rocking back and forth like talking to the voices in his head dude knew what he right. was doing yes yes and during his trial he did attempt to plead the not guilty by the reason of insanity because of you know him having like a proclivity saying he couldn't control the urge to kill I would probably say the same thing he, yes and he's Listen, he's very smart. Mm-hmm. He knows manipulation tactics. Right. He spent several years from age 15 to 21 in a psychiatric facility where he was trained to administer psychiatric evaluations to other inmates. So he knows the things to say to appear sane and the things to say to appear not sane. Right. So he knows what they're looking for. He knows exactly what they're looking for. And the psychiatrist that evaluated him for his trial probably recognized that. Yeah. And 
where like he is legally competent. He was completely cognizant during the commission of each one of his crimes, even though he did these horrible things. One of the doctors, Dr. Joel Fort, actually saw his juvenile records because even though they were expunged, they are not destroyed. Right. So he was able to get his juvenile records and um, saw the diagnosis of schizophrenic that he got after killing his grandparents. Interviewed him under truth serum, which I thought was weird. It just made me think of Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, is this like a sci-fi novel? I a have, fantasy sci-fi? I've heard of truth serum, so it's a colloquial name. There are several different types. So there's ethanol, sclopalamine, uh, midazolam, sodium... Theopental and Barbitrol. I don't know, but they're just substances that they use. They're not ethical or scientifically. Yeah, sounds legal. very safe. Yeah, they're not legal to use now. And there's no drug currently in use that is proven to make you tell the truth. Yeah. But this is the 70s, so they're like, this is truth serum. But regardless, Apparently, under truth serum, admitted to cannibalism and that he had eaten the flesh of his victims. Yikes. <laughs> As if it couldn't get any worse. As if it couldn't get any worse. We bring out cannibalism. Um, so he said this under truth serum. Whatever. He would later recant this, saying that it wasn't true. Can we talk about how he said he cooked the flesh into a casserole? Um, I think that's all that needs to be said about it. Because <laughs> I don't think I'm going to ever eat casserole again. I was just about to uh, say that. I don't think I've ever like made a casserole. I just don't know how. Oh, I mean, I've made several casserole, different kinds of casserole. Breakfast casserole is my favorite, of course. Uh, but now I'm never going to eat it again. So. You know how people will have, like, like true crime parties, you know? <laughs> Kemper casserole. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kemper casserole. I like the alliteration. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's where <laughs> That's where it stops, though. <laughs> I mean, what do you put in it? It's like a Sweeney Todd shit there. Yeah. Great movie. Um, what do you put in Kemper Casserole? I don't know. I feel like it's like a like a meat and cheese thing. <laughs> you just triggered my gag reflex. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, so, moving on from Kemper Casserole. That's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> start writing this shit down oh god oh all right so good on the grill <laughs> oh the grill. god <laughs> if you had like kemper casserole on the front and on the back it said good on the grill good on the griddle <laughs> oh no oh no oh, shit um so despite his cannibalism and all of his other shit I don't know if any of it's worse than the other. It's all equally the worst. He's he's the worst. Yeah, he's the he's the worst. 
Um, he was found competent of his crimes thanks to the McNaughton rule. And his trial went on October 23rd, 1973. On November 8th, 1973, the six-man, six-woman jury deliberated for five hours. I can't believe they deliberated for five hours. I would walk into that room and be like, fucking guilty. Guilty! Yeah, I, I, I'm I, guessing it's the insanity part that took them a long time I to figure out. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't care either. I don't care. If you are insane, legally insane, and that's why you killed eight people and did the sex thing and cut them up. Uh, I still want you to be guilty of those crimes. Absolutely. And I still want you incarcerated forever. Yeah. Mental status notwithstanding. No, we're not we're not talking about causing a scene in public. Yeah. We're we're talking about Abduction, murder, necrophilia, mm-hmm. can be Cass. Yeah. <laughs> it starts bad, gets worse, and ends really the worst. Just the cherry on top. Yeah. I don't really care if he's mentally sane or insane. No. Because he needs to be incarcerated. Yes. So they found him guilty on all counts. Now, he requested the death penalty, death by torture, to be exact. But California at this time had a moratorium on the death penalty. And so he was sentenced to seven life sentences, which they specified that these were supposed to be served concurrently, which means at the same time, Mm -hmm. as opposed to consecutive, which would be one after the other. Uh, Obviously, it's concurrent. Yeah. You can't serve a life sentence and then like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and serve my second life sentence. Yeah, you're you're just not going to last. I mean, duh, you're not going to just continue to be alive so you can serve your sentences. I mean, I don't really know what's in that truth serum, though. Ed I know. Might, Ed might be kicking it 100 years from now. He's still alive. So. So, yeah, he's got life in prison and he was sent to the California medical facility where he's Remains to this day. Damn. So. This next part here is just. Yeah. I I put it in here because I felt like it sums up Ed. Yeah. As a person. Yeah, I think it does. So a quote by old Ed. When I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her home, be real nice and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Yeah. So, toxic? Pretty much. Yikes. Yikes. So, that's the story of Ed Kemper. Now we're going to get into a little bit of pop culture Mm -hmm. with Ed. Um, So, I... Obviously, his crimes are incredibly horrific and gruesome, but I think that everyone has struggled with putting his crimes with what he appears to be. Yes. How Polar he, opposites. Yeah. It it doesn't go together. So he's the subject of a lot of interviews, studies, 
the behavioral science unit mm-hmm. and the FBI that you see in Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. They interviewed him a lot because... Yeah, I mean, that should actually happen. Yes. Mindhunter is based on a book, which is based on a true story by Robert Douglas, Mm -hmm. who the main FBI agent in Mindhunter is based on. Yeah. So Ed Kemper actually helped... It wasn't his doing, but his the psychology of Ed Kemper helped the FBI to kind of form the idea of serial killing. Yeah, he became a very good resource. He was a good resource, yeah. If you've ever seen Mindhunter, which I hope you have, because it's so good. It's very good. It's very different. It's, it's very different. Um, but Ed Kemper is a big character yeah. in the and first season. He's like a big, lovable teddy bear of a guy. That Yeah, that's exactly how they portray him on there. Yeah. And I think they do a very good job. At, they do. Well, I mean, they do a very good job at portraying all of the dudes on yeah, there. Yeah, they do. So, and, and the actor who plays Ed Kemper, dead ringer for Ed oh Kemper. Oh my gosh. It's psychotic how much yeah. he looks like the real Ed Kemper. Yeah. Because I had never actually seen a photo of Ed prior to watching Mindhunter. I knew the story. I had not ever seen a photo of him. Mm-hmm. And so we watched the show and then I looked him up and I just, I was like, holy shit, that yeah. guy is identical. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so They wild. did a good ass job during casting that, for that. That actor was born to play Ed Kipper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100%. So crazy. <laughs> so... Like we've said, Ed is still kicking it. Um, I mean, he's not that old. I mean, he's like like, 72. Yeah, he's like two or three years older than my own dad. Mm -hmm. Um, He's still serving his sentence at California Medical Facility. And like we said, he's a model prisoner because just like all bullshit aside, he's a good he's like a good, resourceful, helpful dude. Yeah, he uh he doesn't act out. He doesn't act crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's no, like, uh, he doesn't, like, when you look at, I'm trying to think of an example of killers that just act like fucking crazy people. I think um, Charles Manson was one of those. Yeah. He's, he's nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing. Like, you would look at this dude and not think he was in prison for serial killing. Right, yeah. Maybe, That's true. Maybe, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what somebody that large would be serving prison time Like, for. maybe killing a dude that pissed him off. Yeah, accidentally, like, punching someone to death. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's not funny, but It's he's, not. He it, could do it, but he, it's not. He definitely could do that. He actually helps um, schedule inmates' appointments with their psychiatrist. Yeah. He likes to be involved. Yeah. He loves to be involved. Um, if I were serving life sentence in prison, I would certainly be doing everything I could to take up my time. I feel like I would le- work in the library, like the one off of Shawshank. Oh, my gosh. Shawshank. That's a good fucking movie. That's a good ass movie. God Morgan Freeman. Goddamn genius. Oh, love that movie. Um, And this part surprised me because I'm too. about to find this. I was so shocked by this. Ed has also recorded more than 5,000 hours of audiobooks. For the blind. I mean, model fucking citizen here. 
I just, I didn't, I was working on this until like late last night. We were watching Wolf of Wall Street. What up? Mm. Uh, I didn't look up to see like if you could it up get right your hands on these recordings, but I would, my mind was blown that he is the narrator for audiobooks. I mean, list of 17 books narrated by Edmund Kemper. It's called The Blind Project. The Blind Project. Star Wars Trilogy. Shit. The Rosary Murders. uh, That's a little too on the nose. You cannot listen to a murder book narrated by Ed Kemper. Um, Flowers in the Attic. Oh, weird. Web Between the Worlds. Don't know that one. Windmills of the Gods. Sounds like a fantasy novel. Dune, book four, God Emperor of Dune. If Tomorrow Comes. Petals on the Wind. Hmm. The Glass Key. That's so weird. The Flowers in the Attic books. They're fucking weird. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to listen to any of those. <laughs> I'm like, I want to hear his voice though yeah oh my god that's so weird um also i meant to throw this in as a correction i just realized this today Uh so when uploading episode 13 bigfoot there was some some problems not really sure what happened Mm -hmm. i am going to re-upload it so it can update because the Bibli isn't showing. Oh, really? And I'm, I wasn't too worried about it when I thought of it this morning. I was like, it's Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, definitely for all the things we talked about today, check our episode description for the bibliography where Maddie gets all the good shit. Yeah. So Haley and Ariel, you are the best. Straight up. Killing it. All of it. Amazing. So lit. Love it. Um, and, you know, hit up our socials. If you would please leave us a five-star rating on Apple, since they're the only ones that do that. Tell your friends about us. Write us a review. And we will give you a little shout-out. And eventually... We are working on building a sticker package. Yes. And we would love to, we're going to have to backtrack. I think it would be really cool if we did some like handwritten little note cards, sent our supporters a sticker. Mm -hmm. I mean, something small for the people who take time to share our shit, to leave us cool ass reviews Send us emails or whatever. Yeah, like, we want to show you guys in a physical way that we so much appreciate that. That's right. And everyone loves stickers. Everyone loves stickers. I mean, I've stickered the shit out of my laptop. You're going to have to get just a whole new laptop. (laughs) I know. So we can witty sticker this. Yeah, that's right. I like that our acronym for our name is witty. I love that. That's 
Man, I feel like it <laughs> took us a while, but didn't take us a while to pick a name. Yeah. I don't even remember what we were thinking about before. It had something to do with Mondays. Oh, yeah. That's lame. Uh, yeah. Because since we were like release on Mondays. But yeah. Here we are. What if I told you was like in a list of like six things that I proposed? I am terrible at thinking of names. I'm obviously at the editing uploading portion of our agreement. Mm-hmm. And every Sunday I'm like, Madeline, I need you to stop what you're doing right now. <laughs> I don't know what in the fuck to call this episode. Yeah. So. I think comes from my education in the English department. It just, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like I think of things, but then I don't want to say them because I'm too afraid that they're just going to be lame as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but anyways, yeah. Follow us on Instagram at what if I told you pod and our Facebook page is what if I told you podcast. We post all the things on there that you need to know. We would love to interact with you. We are absolutely a podcast that will respond to your shit. We will. We are clearly still very small and we love that interaction. Mm -hmm. And our email is always open. That's right. What if I told you podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, that's going to be it on the co-ed killer Ed Kemper Big Ed. Edmund. He was a must do because he's a big case. Yeah. That was silly. <laughs> okay. Um, now we have some birthdays to go celebrate. or well, I do. So in the meantime, please be kind to one another. And stay weird. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.